Hello, welcome back to another episode of Hashtag No Filter. I hope everyone is keeping really safe and doing well. So you may have heard not too long ago me banging on about an amazing fashion rental platform that I discovered and I've been posing in all sorts of outfits on Instagram um, because I found Higher Street and they are absolutely incredible. The UK's leading fashion rental platform who deliver date night dresses, swanky skirts, LBDs, power suits, you name it. This website's got it all. And actually, this is a very aptly timed podcast because we're obviously coming up to the festive season. So if you're looking for a dazzling Christmas number, then this is where to head. It's really, really simple. You can rent an outfit, so from four to 16 days. You add to your bag, you choose your size, and you can add insurance if need be because you know what? Around Christmas, there's a lot of booze flowing. There's a lot of food to be eaten. And if there are any accidents... Perhaps best to be insured. Um, And then returning, you just do it like you would an ASOS parcel. So it's really, really simple. And my next guest, that's very David Letterman of me, but my next guest is actually the founder and owner of Higher Street, Isabella West, who, let me tell you, is such an impressive young woman. And we had the opportunity to catch up and talk about how she came up with the idea behind Higher Street, how it's going amid the coronavirus pandemic, and what the future holds for Isabella, who is an incredibly successful woman who actually made it on the list of Forbes 30 under 30 this year, which is super duper impressive. Without further ado, I'll let Isabella do the talking. My next guest is Isabella. I will link to Higher Street and link to all social platforms that you need to know about. And that leaves me with little else to say, but enjoy. Thank you. It's been, you know, really, really good to try out Higher Street. I tried it not too long ago. I know. Yeah, and it was so good. You know, you just want to keep the outfits, don't you? I mean, they're incredible. Mm-hmm. So, um, what was your favourite? Can you remember the name? Oh my god, I can't remember the name, but I did try this like really lovely. It was um, kind of like a blue suit dress, Ooh. but it went up to kind of like just um, just below the knees, and it was just so nice. It was like such a nice colour, and also like this long mm-hmm. leopard print dress as well. Oh yeah, I think yeah, I'll yeah. <laughs> so yeah, some really good pieces. But yeah, so obviously we just want to know kind of how Higher Street began, um, how you came up with the concept, and I can see that you're doing so so well with it. So just how how your career's kind of led you to where you are today. Um, so, I mean, I've always been someone who loves fashion. Like, there's people in the world who are, like, foodies or whatever. For me, like, if I have, like, spare money to spend, I am shopping. Yeah. Um, so, and, um, and to be honest, I, um, I started my first kind of, like, sustainable fashion business when I was 17. So that was 10 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And, um... That concept was basically, it was called Swap Shop, spelt with an O, and the whole thinking was basically everyone at the time, I was in sixth form at the time, and everyone was, like, going to Top Shop. That was the shop yeah, at that time. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had such, like, a heyday, and so... The whole point was like you wear your Topshop dress to, you know, whoever's 18th it was that weekend yeah. and then you come in and you swap it. Oh, amazing. So, 
it was literally like a business that I started in the common room and then we did like little events for people who weren't at our school and it was it was great so I've always really believed that you know these dresses that we buy and wear once can have so much of a of a better life Mm. and make so many more people happy um so so I kind of I've always like thought like that it's just been ingrained in me I think maybe like living with I have two younger sisters and we were pretty good at sharing clothes and um so I think it's just like being wired into me from a young age so I suppose then like fast forward seven years to the point where I started high street it was it was really interesting so it was the time that I'd left home gone to uni I'd still definitely like kept kept up like sharing clothes like I used to have the dress cupboard in my room at uni and people like throughout college would just come and knock on my door before night (laughs) so it was amazing and I think I think basically so I was I was kind of like just not thinking in a business sense at all at that point I was just doing that because I loved it and because genuinely I had too many dresses in my life because that was what I saved my money and spent spent on um and then during that time, like, we really did see a bit of a shift, I suppose, in, like, the sharing economy. We saw, like, Uber come around. We saw Airbnb come around. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing really in fashion. And, and I definitely wasn't thinking about it as a business, at, you know, whilst I was at uni. And, and not even for my first few years in London. It was just something that I did because I loved, you know, helping people feel amazing when they got, were going on a night out. Yeah. Um, I was a consultant, um, a strategy consultant, and I came to be working at Selfridges in their global strategy team. And one of the projects that I did there was was basically looking at the future of retail. And they were really interested, of course, about kind of like events in store or like how to use AI better in store. But mm-hmm. I remember having access to this like report, and it, one of the key things that came, they were saying was like, you know, rentals massively booming in the US with Rent the Runway. Um, there was some really big Australian players like Grand Corner coming up. And, and basically, I remember sitting at my desk. I can still picture it now and being like, I've got to do that. Like, why are we, Why is no one here doing yeah. it? It was, it was crazy. It was kind of like all the things that I've been doing my whole life for fun yeah. in a business. Yeah, like that light bulb moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. literally. Yeah, literally, it was. It really was. It's funny because I always, I always knew before Higher Street that I definitely, I'm someone who wanted to start a business, but I'd kind of maybe tried to like. I've written loads of different business plans, and maybe some of them were a bit forced. They were like in ideas like dating <laughs> or like gyms, just because I just wanted to do something on my yeah, own. Yeah, business. Yeah. Exactly. And then I kind of, I'm so pleased I didn't start anything because I was at that point, you know, when the light bulb moment did actually come, it felt like it was right for me. Like it wasn't like just a good idea. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like it's done so well. And it also sounds like you've always been very business minded, you know, starting off um, swap shop at 17. That's incredible. You know, so that sounds so, so good. And what was the goal of High Street? You know, you said that um, it wasn't really about business a lot of the time for you. But when you started High Street, did you kind of change direction? Were you like very business minded from then on? Um, kind of what was the goal? Yeah, so I mean, I think I've always loved the business side of things. My parents are both entrepreneurs and I studied kind of like economics and management at uni. I always knew that that was what I wanted to do. I, yeah. I just love problem solving in that sense. I think for Higher Street, what I really wanted to do was, so I'm a Northern girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I very much, you know, 
I was very much someone who I was that meme literally where people are like ASOS you know when you've got a weekly ASOS you yeah. kind of sneak past your, your colleagues at work yeah. literally that person so I I really wanted to build something that was and I knew that there was other people like similar to me um over consuming fashion and you know, it's not that we didn't care about the damage. It's that at that point, like, really, we didn't know. Like, mm. this was before the Stacey Dooley documentary. It was before a lot of, like, the recent headlines on, like, the true cost of fast fashion. Mm, so yeah. it really was kind of like, it sounds stupid because it was only three years ago. But it really was a different different time. It so was, yeah. I think when I, was, when I was thinking about it at the beginning, like, I definitely wanted to facilitate better sharing and to be you know more efficient with the outfits that we were buying you know if in, if in a group of 10 girls everyone only had to buy once and then could share the rest you yeah know, it's far better financially and from a sustainability perspective so that was kind of the goal and and I always then knew that I wanted to target the service for people like me I, I never wanted to go near designer items because people who are renting designer items aren't the ones who are addicted to fast fashion yeah um, yes. yeah I just, I wanted to build the service to like feel like very accessible, like that renting from a friend that I had been doing myself mm -hmm. and like build it at the, the 30 pound price point that basically you could rent that week instead of buying from Zara that week, like yeah. to, to make it a bit of a substitute as opposed to feeling like high end or like exclusive or anything like that. It, it wanted to feel very much like this is built for the people doing what I used to be doing. Yeah, totally. And did it have quite a big, um, I mean, did it did it kind of kick off straight away or was it kind of like a slow burner as businesses often are? Um, how was kind of like the success when you first started it? Yeah, so it's a really good question. So I literally... I started High Street very much as what we would call like a minimum viral product. Mm -hmm. So uh, the website, you know, was a couple thousand. It was like built very much like bootstrapped together. Yeah. It was not perfect. <laughs> I was like running between dry cleaners myself, doing all of the logistics. And it was hell. And <laughs> the stock was sourced from like family and friends. So... Mm -hmm you know throughout my uni or school friends like everyone had that like you know those 10 dresses that they'd probably had for grad ball or for whatever occasion for yeah. a, a wedding you know everyone had like a good amount of dresses to donate and they were really willing to do so um and so I started literally with like 200 pieces that were like borrowed from people effectively mm -hmm. and it was really really interesting because the the first few lessons what I found was that there was about 30 out of those 200 that were booked out every week. So I started to realize that if you had the right stock, mm -hmm. the demand was there. So say we had like a House of CB gold structured mini dress, for instance, and we had a couple of pretty lavish dresses as well. And they just, you couldn't get, I couldn't get enough of them. Um, but so, so we, it was the first kind of realization that you will, like, if you can buy right, the proposition is right because people are very happy to pay £12 to rent a House of CB dress, which is £150. Totally. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But what the problem was is that, you know, out of all the dresses that I had, you know, some were perfect for, for what I was trying to do. Some were probably a bit too smart, so a bit too black tie. Mm -hmm. There wasn't that many occasions, you know, that people would need them for. So it's basically been... The concept works straight away, Um and I couldn't get, like, certain pieces, uh, um, I couldn't get enough stock of them. 
but it was just like constant learning from day one like what should we be buying and you know what stock is going to like basically we always aim for at least 30 wares what stock is going to be able to hit that threshold and it's it's not just I suppose it's not just like popularity it's also durability so yeah. straight away from, from those dresses you start to learn okay like seek certain sequin numbers are not ideal because you know they're just not like gonna last 30 yeah. 30 different people wearing them in the post etc you just it's just a constant um learning exercise where you're just getting more and more data and putting that back into you know your next set of purchases on the dress front so yeah. it was amazing and I think like that was May 2018 and and we really did before COVID we we had really got ourselves into a good position with this so like last winter 97% of our stock base was with customers as a rental business that's like the goal yeah that's Um, amazing but that actually leads me on to my next question because you just got me thinking obviously like now with COVID how have you found that because obviously we're not going out as much it's like the demand the same for for outfits absolutely not so we have been really hit Mm -hmm. and it's it's really tough because one of the things that we really benefited from is we never had to do too much marketing in in when times are good because what happens is that you would rent a dress and then you would go to the event and people would compliment you on your dress and you'd say it was from higher street and so we got so much benefit from from word of mouth referrals um and you know, not only have we lost events, but we've kind of lost, you know, that that seeing that user content, getting that feedback from customers. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's hard on the team. I, I mean, I know personally, like if things are busy or stressful, like one of the like the key things that I would look at to make myself feel better is like recent customer reviews. Someone, you know, saying I had the best day ever. Yeah. I will always remember this dress, yeah. or you know, just little things that pick you up. I think that's it's been hard enough of course having no like you know the massive drop off in demand Mm -hmm. um but it comes with all sorts of kind of like other losses that you know may aren't necessarily like true business related but they're their personal motive or incentive to like keep you know going with it all yeah that's it but I mean hopefully like your friend with like kind of like the earrings and all of that maybe (laughs) you know it will start really picking up again because I think people are just desperate to like get a nice dress on aren't they and like go to an event get glammed up so Fingers crossed it will kind of pick back up, definitely. And so moving on to, you made Forbes 30 Under 30 this year, which is incredible. Um, So I just wanted to talk to you about how that made you feel. Um, And did you, when you were kind of sat at uni, starting off Higher Street, did you ever think that this would happen? Honestly, it's still kind of weird. I don't think it's popping something yet. (laughs) And we'll just tell you, because I've known for a year, um, almost. But... I think, obviously, because I've always been that kind of entrepreneurial person, Mm -hmm. that is one of the lists that, yes, it's been a personal goal to make. I remember, you know, telling that to my first ever member of staff. um, And I I started Higher Street, kind of registered the business when I was 24. Mm -hmm. So I had in my head, you know, six years to really make it and get on that Forbes list. And I really didn't expect to have done it by 26. I, I... it, it's definitely kind of like my proudest achievement um, from a personal perspective. It's just amazing. It's just something that people can't take away. You know, obviously, even in this year where things have been so challenging, like 
that still happened. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. It's absolutely amazing. It's definitely a life goal, isn't it? It's so, so yeah. good. And um, with all the outfits, obviously, they're constantly changing. There's so many cool outfits on the site. Um, where do you get your inspiration? Are you like looking at influencers or celebrities, seeing what they're wearing and then kind of looking for those same items? Yeah, it's it's really, it's such an interesting, I shouldn't say game, because it's not a game buying, um, but it is, it's like a, it's like a puzzle. Yeah. Um, if you get buying right, you know, that's the, that's the core of your rental business. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, I don't do it. Um, I have a member, uh, you know, I have a team that are far better at doing this than yeah. I am. Yeah. And, and so I, I think the key thing is, is that, is we use the data. So we basically keep track of utilization of every brand that we have we keep track of like what we would kind of call like feature metrics so long sleeves you know overperforms at this time of year mm-hmm. um how are minis doing versus midis you know we had a kind of couple months um last summer where like midis were just the thing and we we use that data um religiously and then feed that back into kind of future buying and honestly we're buying six months in advance um because we have you know relationships with the brands whereby we we buy from their kind of like lookbooks and line sheets ahead of their season Mm -hmm. so um we do we probably see the trends through that channel quicker than they actually land on instagram yeah yeah probably seeing them first i guess aren't you Absolutely. So you do have to make a call because you, you know, you've got budget to spend and you're spending it six months in advance and it's, it come and that's where the data comes in because honestly, it's so subjective. And I think, you know, the whole, like, I I remember at the beginning, a friend said to me, I can still tell you do the buying. This was a year in and I was thinking, that's not good because (laughs) we need something that caters to everyone, not just like what I like. What you'd like. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I love that. And um, work and everyday life balance. How are you finding that? Because um, I read somewhere in an interview that you've kind of described yourself previously as a workaholic, which I can imagine that, you know, you kind of have to be if you're running a successful business. But how do you kind of find the balance between just personal life, everyday life and then your work? Yeah, so I mean, I... I'm not surprised if I once said that in an interview because <laughs> I used to probably be way too proud of it. Mm-hmm. And I, my mindset on this has entirely shifted. Mm-hmm. So I used to think like, I, I I would feel so guilty if I wasn't working like 100 plus hour weeks. Like I yeah. thought I wasn't a true entrepreneur. You know, you don't read stories of Silicon Valley and hear that they had a great social life, do you? No, You're like, yeah. these guys... <laughs> These guys got to where they're going because they, you know, like worked, they were, they slept, they started sleeping in the office. Them. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And and I genuinely believed that. Like I, I was creating work for myself. I was working so, so hard and probably not efficiently just because I thought, you know, this is what founders do and this is where I need to be if I'm going to make those lists that mm-hmm. I want to be on. And um and honestly, like the first year, the first year and a half, and I think that's probably the same for any startup, I was a one-man band, really. So I was doing everything myself. And, and that is, that was a period of, of true grit and mm-hmm. horrific lack of sleep and all of that comes with it. But but if I'm really honest, like I made myself ill. I made, I made myself very, very unwell. Mm-hmm. And I will have kind of like, I will live with the consequences for the rest of my life. Um and that has been such a lesson 
in itself, you know, you will you have one bill of health, and if you overstress and overwork, you don't get that back. Totally, like, it's yeah. not like a oh sorry, twenty nineteen Izzy, like that doesn't get undone. Yeah, that's um, so I think for me, like I honestly wish I could take back any interview where I ever said, you know, I was do- I was doing these crazy weeks. Like that's not. You don't have to do that as a founder. Like you have to be efficient with your time and mostly like manage your health because if that goes, you know, you, the business you doesn't. Yeah. Keep, yeah, yeah. It, it really, it, it's it's such an important balance. So I think it's something that I'm like, I'm not saying like I'm definitely not like 100% better with it. Like I still have crazy feelings of guilt when I'm like not working on mm-hmm. a Sunday. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's still I still need to be a lot better, but I definitely you know, have put more, like, lines and and limits in place, you know, like, not, you know, being on my laptop or working in bed, which I used to do, um, just, like, kind of better boundaries, um, like, it's, it's something that, like, has been a core area of focus, and I think 2020, in a way, has helped, yeah, because it has slowed people down, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and, and I think it's, I mean, I don't know, like, how you guys think about this, but, like, for us, like, you know, questioning the commute time or like whether we will always want to be in an office or what we would, you know, how do how do we want 2021 to look when, you know, when we come out of this? Totally, and yeah. It's yeah. a bit of a balance, isn't it? That, it is. that whole self-care piece, it's been such an important year for, for getting people to realise the value of it. Yeah, and it's like shaking people up with regards to health, hasn't it, big time? Like how important it actually is, because I, I agree, we sometimes forget in the busyness of everyday life, it's... It's crazy but one thing I'm not missing is the commute I must say <laughs> I know it's such dead time like and it's such a balance though because I really do miss like being in an office totally, environment but yeah I really resent getting there yeah <laughs> so. exactly it's like you just want to click your fingers and just be in the office it is dead time um, but it's been so great to talk to you I mean just finally kind of what advice would you give to people that want to start their own business like you did and and also kind of what's the plan for high street in the future after covid Oh, I can't wait for after COVID. Um, <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> literally. Um, it's actually, by the way, just the end of 2020 is so soon, which is so good. Like, yeah, I know. I can't I know. wait. I can't wait. It's I know. Be just to, like, close the chapter of the book and just, like, start um, a new oh, one. <laughs> good, good riddance. Um, so, from from an advice perspective, I mean, personally, what what's worked for me, um, if, if for anyone wanting to start their own businesses, I would definitely say, like, fail quickly. Mm-hmm. So the, what I was mentioning before about, you know, getting 200 dresses and 30 doing really well, That if I bought those dresses, you know, obviously that would have been thousands and thousands of pounds that I couldn't get back. So, yeah. I, you know, get, you know, be as, as kind of, like, shrewd as possible um, and you know, really take what we call that minimum viable product approach, get something out there, get it in the hands of customers. For me, what that meant is like when I was, when I was first launching High Street, I did loads of market research, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people. And they all said to me, well, I think I want to, basically I spend all my money in Zara. Therefore Mm -hmm. I want to rent Zara dresses. I want to pay seven pounds to rent a Zara dress, Mm -hmm. not 30 pounds to buy it. When we actually launched, that wasn't the case at all. What people wanted was to pay 30 pounds to rent a house of CB dress that they didn't always, you know, have the luxury of buying. So people, you know, had we just, had we kind of spent a lot and like really gone too far down one path and, and not like kind of got a product out there and in the hands of customers and, 
basically kept on like failing really and like understand like trying something getting data back and understanding just the bits that were to take that forward I think that is like such a key thing to do for any startup you know don't don't spend too much time you know building perfect because when you get it into the hands of customers or when you have a year like 2020 there is no such thing Uh you have to just keep pivoting and keep learning so fail quickly um and keep moving forward um is is definitely one thing that i you know massively believe in um obviously the bit that we just said like do not take your family or your house or your friends for granted like they are what matter like if you have a good day they will be there if you have a bad week year month they will be there mm-hmm. so really that's so so important um and it's 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 easy to, to take for granted when you know you're so stressed and you become so your mood becomes so linked to every sale it's, it's a crazy situation to be in so yeah. you know trying to have them there is so important for that separation um I think the final like thing that I've definitely been stung by is kind of related maybe to the first is just like make sure you have like a plan well, plan A, B, C, and yeah. D, and mm-hmm. A. Because if you don't, when you're doing like data or like when you're getting feedback, so I might be saying, look, like this is, I might, we could be having a feedback chat now and I'd be saying, you know, you rented from Higher Street, like, did you like this? And because I'm kind of, I'm forced, I only have that one option. I'm kind of hearing what I need to hear as opposed to you saying, oh, I actually think, you know, you should be doing this, this, and this. Yeah, and yeah. So, really making sure you kind of like have those kind of like backup options so you can look objectively at anything you're considering I personally think is is super key um and it's something that I definitely learned the hard way um so I think maybe my like cool kind of three pieces of advice like keep keep your options open always Mm -hmm. fail quickly and don't take your family your health or your friends for granted I love that Um, yeah I think really good really really good advice totally and uh yeah I mean that sounds amazing and plans for higher street in the future I mean are you kind of thinking ahead right now or is it just kind of living day to day well it's it's really it's a fun question this one because there's a couple things at play at the minute so for higher street you know we always i have this thing that i say to the staff you know weekly at the moment which is after the 1918 global spanish flu pandemic mm-hmm. where people were inside for two years and i think there was like it's like 50 million cases maybe 500 million there's yeah, crazy more crazy. cases of yeah. covid and um, and basically after that you know came the roaring 20s where you know people were just so desperate to go out and to get glitzed and glammed up and I definitely feel that from our consumer base at the minute so I think being really positive and forward looking for 2021 for events to recover is one thing that we're thinking for higher street but yeah if I'm you know one thing that 2020 has really taught us and it's been a really great year for reflection is when things are going well and they were you know we were going like a thousand percent you know and it was just things not easy as a wrong word but things were continuing on a very positive trajectory yeah. before March 2020 when when that's happening you don't stop and question your fundamentals you just keep going in that direction because it's going good mm-hmm. um whereas you know it, the, the pause of 2020 has taught us one really key thing and, and that is increasingly brands around us are looking to rent so yeah. they're looking 
for options to be sustainable. So what we've ended up doing this year and what we will be rolling out next year is is basically something like, well, it's called white labeling. We're white labeling our technology um, to basically mean that, you know, if you were a startup brand, you, you wanted to enter the world of rental. Mm-hmm. It's basically like that, but a bit of a Shopify, but for sharing. So instead of, you know, having to kind of like figure out how you're going to launch a rental business, you know, from your house and, and, and stress about building the technology, you, you literally like, you, all you do is come up with a theme, you, you source your products and literally High Street takes care of all of the rest. So fulfillment is done for you, um, you know, all your website, you literally go into the website and you say, okay, I want my standard rental period to be 10 days. I want a lead and lag time of X and it's just so, so easy. So that's kind of like we, we've increasing we, we've moved really from being kind of like a brand that was all about kind of ourselves and building high streets mm-hmm. for world domination let's say and, and <laughs> what we're now doing is like trying to help you know we want this year there have been so many people which is brilliant you know start their own sustainable fashion brands what we want to do is enable those people to be thinking well actually I could just as easily start a rental brand yeah absolutely yeah that sounds so good well I'm sure you're going to absolutely smash it because I for one can't wait to put on a nice outfit again (laughs) so I'll be heading straight to higher street when I can because honestly the outfits are so nice there's such a good selection as well like when I had to choose I was like this is going to take me forever you know what I mean I know an amazing selection but thank you so much Lizzie it's been so 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 good to talk to you thank Um, you for having me thank you and what's the rest of your day looking like are you super busy um it's really so it's a funny week for me because um I we've we're in the middle of like Black Friday, but we've called oh, yeah. it Green Friday, which oh, is nice. great. <laughs> so we're like planting a tree for every order that's been placed, and that that's been amazing. So I think we're doing quite a kind of like a lot a lot of marketing on on that side of things. So my week's a bit more that side than than it usually is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just really getting ready for Christmas um, and making sure you know we're we're kind of very much all. Um, all together on on the kind of upcoming marketing plan partnerships competitions in the weeks to come um because i feel like hopefully this is the last week of downtime we come out of lockdown like next week and it sounds like people might be allowed out like genuinely um and therefore like the hope is is that we get really ready for it now and then you know we we see a big we've, we've already started to see a bit of a return to orders this like kind of weekend gone yeah probably like thinking ahead for around Christmas exactly exactly so so if we can get ourselves really together on that front then hopefully when you know people are allowed out in December we'll see a big boom and a big spike in interest and people booking for Christmas and New Year yeah totally oh well fingers crossed I really hope we get let out again that'd be so so good (laughs) (laughs) honestly it's literally like if we ever have to say that I know, I know, it's crazy. It's like, oh my God, what are we even saying? That we're in lockdown, it's mad. Oh, well, thank you so much. Well, good luck with everything. I hope Green Friday goes well and Christmas. And yeah, I'll chat to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Speak to you later. Bye. Bye bye.